amazing. And the idea is, is just simply to go a little higher in our world uh, and, and the things that we're doing, each and every aspect of that world that we are a part of, to just get a little bit better each and every day over the next 12 months and simply see where we are as we move towards just a little better, a little higher, um, and uh, a different kind of example and uh, a different kind of way of being in our lives. So you know why we're doing that, New Year's resolutions. It's one of those things that we do each and every year. Now, I ask this frequently, how many of you in here are New Year's resolutions kind of people? Can I see your hands? Hold on just a second, hold on just a second, hold on. Are y'all awake? First of all, I'm going to ask if y'all are awake. Are y'all awake? Okay, so if you're awake... It doesn't mean you're a terrible person if you are a New Year's resolution kind of person. I'm going to be out there with, okay, I'm going to be out there first. I'm a New Year's resolutions kind of person. Are any of you guys New Year's resolution kind of people? You can admit it. Anyone? All right. All right. Very good. A handful of you are. You know, uh, Miss Donna is walking in right now, and I just want you to know that her resolution is to get in shape. So y'all pray for her. Man, that woman... Makes me feel bad about my. I'm sorry, my speaking out loud on the microphone. <laughs> Girl, you know I love you. I'm just teasing around. So, we're talking about New Year's resolutions, and I found this particular uh, graphic at, the, uh, uh, at Casper College, and I thought it was pretty neat. It had a nice little article, and I won't read the article to you, but I'll give you five of the things that they say are the top things that people are saying they want to be involved in. So would you be surprised? Okay, hold on. I'm going to count to three, and you guys tell me what you think is in the top five. Just one thing. Just one thing. Don't, don't be like, okay, well, first of all, Randy, it's the, I mean, we can't do that. But on the count of three, everybody together, you say something, and I have a feeling we all might think of the same exact thing because we've all just endured Thanksgiving and Christmas, and it feels like we've been eating wrong for about 35 weeks in a row. At least it doesn't, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking for myself here. But how many of you think you know at least one of the top five? Can I see your hands? All right. On the count of three, ready? One, two, three. Dieting, losing weight, yeah, exactly, okay. So here's what they say on this particular Casper College website. It says, exercising more is the first. Second is saving money. Third is eating more healthy foods. Fourth is losing weight. I'm not gonna lie, one, three, and four all seem like the same thing to me. I don't know. Um, And I'm only into making one resolution, so that's important for me. Uh, What about you guys? Uh, There's a fifth one here. It says spend less time on socials or on their phone. That's one of the resolutions they said. But I know that this cannot be... I've heard a lot of different uh, New Year's resolutions and how common they are and all that stuff. There was a different group of articles that I had looked through, and one of them was really interesting to me. It's on this next slide. I did a screenshot of it. Um, Let's kick off the year right. Here are 55 New Year's resolution ideas for 2023. I thought to myself, my New Year's resolution would be to get to the end of an article that said, let's go through 55 New Year's resolutions. Can I get an amen or is it just me? All right. No, I'm not doing 55 I probably am not even going to do five, I ain't going to lie, but it is interesting how things kind of wash away from the past and this new start does mean something. And as a guy who is very, very intentional about 
trying to make, well, tries to be intentional about making catalyst moments mean something. I'm here to tell you that it really is important for us, whether it's individuals or especially as Christians, that we take advantage of these opportunities that we have because the truth is is that uh, <laughs> just as we all already know, and probably part of your hesitation, you're like, I'm starting to think about new, and now I'm not going to admit that because you and I have all been in the same place before. We made them and we didn't what? Keep them, Right. Why is that? Because motivation, which may be high on January 1, may not be quite so high on January 11, and probably is nowhere in any view on January 21st. Can I get an amen on that, right? So these things come and go, these motivations come and go, but the best thing that we can possibly do is to try to take advantage of the catalyst moments when they actually do find us. So I want to share a little bit about the idea of rising, what that looks like, and I want to be very, very um, intentional about making sure we're not overloading one another here. I want it to be something that's very practical and something that you could actually put into practice um, if you chose to do so. So let's begin here. Um, I'm starting to read a new book. It's kind of a new book um, that I have heard about. It's called Atomic Habits, and that is not not a bad um, graphic that I took a picture of. That is actually what the front of the picture of the book looks like. So I just want y'all to know um, it is Atomic Habits. It's got that very interesting font, so you can really pretty easily spot the one. And interestingly, the guy who wrote it is named James Clear. Uh, kind of funny. Anyway, available on Amazon and Audible if you're into audiobooks like I am. And check it out. I don't think I've ever seen this many reviews of one book. There's over 116,000 reviews, and it has a 4.8 star rating. And let's get to the really important stuff. It's less than five and a half hours long. <laughs> so even if you're into just reading the book itself, it's not going to take you forever to get through it, but it is something that could make a difference and could make an impact in your life. Let's go to our next slide. And here is something that he says in this in uh, the Atomic Habits book, and I just think this is so important. It says, every Olympian wants to win a gold medal. Every candidate wants to get the job. And if successful and an unsuccessful people share the same goals, then the goal cannot be what differentiates the winners from the losers. Do you guys understand what he's saying here? How many of you guys have ever heard, well, if you, if you want your life to change, you've got to set the right goals? And I'm here to tell you, I've set plenty of goals that I never took a single step for. Can I get an amen? I mean, please tell me it's not just me. I've wanted to do them. I've intended to do them. I've said that I would do them usually with the word, the L word, the, the later word. I'll get there later. I'm going to do it later. But that's not what will set your life and my life in a, in a different and in a new direction. It's important that we grasp what we're talking about here. It's not just simply having the right goals that will change things. Let's talk about the next slide here, if you don't mind. This is what James Clear has, and it's so basic. It's so simple. It's almost cartoonish. But here's what he says. This is the difference between motion and accomplishment. I'm going to say it one more time. This is the difference between motion and accomplishment. We'll talk more about this next week. But I don't want you to respond to this. I don't want you to say yes or no or whatever. But most of us are doing what's on the left and very little of what is on the right. 
If you've ever had this feeling like your job is to answer emails <laughs> when your boss does not say that your job is to answer emails, he says that's a part of your job. If you've ever felt like that is the end goal of your job, you can identify with the circle of motion that never seems to stop, but very little movement towards an actual goal that pays dividends for you, for your company, in your relationships, in your spiritual life, all of that stuff. If you guys kind of have where I'm going with that and what he's mentioning there, can y'all give me a thumbs up real quick? This is my, okay, so I've got half of you. Does that mean I need to go back and start that again? Or are y'all ready for me to go to the next slide and keep moving? That's what I thought. Now I got the rest. Okay, very good. <laughs> this is my way of making sure that none of y'all fall asleep. It's particularly important today, I'm just saying. All right, so atomic habits, the goals, we've already talked about motion versus action or motion versus momentum. A perfect example is this. I, I want to just invite you guys, and there's a, a video, uh, pardon me, uh, the Zoom room code here. If you thought to yourself, you know, one day I really do want to get involved in those Zoom Bible studies, man, there it is right there. It's so easy. It's starting not this coming Wednesday, but the next. Be involved. It's a four-week Bible study. And you know what? You just check it out for four weeks. And if it's not something that you feel like is helping you to understand God's word or understand more about what he's doing in his word, then we understand it might not be for you. But I, I've been amazed at how often people are saying, this is something that is helping me to grow and go deeper every single time. So if you're serious about your you know, relationship with the Lord changing, get on with us. This is so easy to do. It's a one-hour thing each and every week, and it's a great way to be involved. And I know that some of you already are. Please keep coming. We enjoy having you. But this is an example. If you don't know the Zoom Room code, you cannot get on. If you don't have my number, you can at the last minute decide to get on. You see how this is important? And let me just say, we're going to talk about this. It's planning, it's action, and then it's building on those things that are already in motion. I'm going to say that over and over and over. And thank you for doing that. Yes, Scott, that's good. Thank you. It is planning, it is taking action, and then it is building on what you've already begun. That's how you change a life and a lifestyle. It's not just simply having the right goals like we've been talking about here. It's not those things. It's actually making the plan, taking action, and then doing it again and doing it again, and doing it again, and changing the direction of your life. And here's a big idea that I want to share with you very quickly. The big idea is that God desires my life to glorify him and help others. And this is important because I share this with you, and this is truly what God's will for your life and my life is, no matter who you are. No matter what you say is your spiritual gift, doesn't matter to me. I'm telling you that your spiritual gift, your mindset, your relationship with God is to glorify him and to help others. That's it. That's true for every single Christian in the world. And so I can tell you, this is the big idea for you for this, this year. If you want to change and move towards a different and closer relationship with God, it begins here. How can I glorify him and how can I help others? That's what he desires for your life. Now, how does that play out in your life? Let's check it out. We must plan to seek God and help others. These things almost never happen accidentally. How many of you know it's really easy to do the wrong things accidentally, but it's really tough to do the right things accidentally? Can I get an amen? I mean, amen? Man, I'm really good at accidentally doing the wrong stuff. Really hard to do the right thing accidentally. Hardly ever happens. 
And so if I'm going to do the right things, I have to make a plan for it. And then I have to act upon those hopes and aspirations that I have. And then thirdly, I have to build on a good start. A great work or a great life, they never get made, completed, or sustained simply on one day's worth of action. Now, all right, so stop for just a second. Is it possible for us to go to the title slide real quick? And then we'll come right back to the big idea in just a second. But take a look at that. You see, I I love the skyscraper buildings. I love it. I, I love the whole thing. But can you imagine you're riding in the elevator and somebody says to you, hey, isn't this a cool building? 35 stories. Isn't it awesome? And you're like, yeah, this is great. It's beautiful. It's reaching up into the sky. I'm sure I can see forever. Once I get to the top, I'm actually heading to the top floor. And they say, yeah. You know what's the most amazing about it? Is they poured the foundation, built the walls, and put on the windows and everything all in one day. (laughs) Isn't that great? I'd be going, "Uh, where is the basement level button on this elevator? Because I don't want to put my life on the line for something that got built in a single day. How about you? Scared to death. The truth of the matter is, is you know people and I know people who have been great in a moment. And then the more that you get to know them, you realize, not not the positive of, there's more to them than meets the eye. (laughs) With them, there's less than meets the eye. They seem to be something and then you get to know them and there's not more than meets the eye. It's actually less. I don't know about you, but I've never wanted anybody to look at me and go, you know, I know Pastor Randy really well, and the more I get to know him, the less I respect him. Never want anybody to say that. Why? Because a life is supposed to be building momentum and building in faithfulness and building in goodness and building in help and building in the way that we glorify God. And if that's not happening, we're going the wrong direction. We're just simply going the wrong direction. So the next slide here. And as you see here, we have at the bottom, we have plan, we have act, and then we have build. These are the ways that we change a life. And this is the big idea that God desires my life to glorify him and help others. Would you guys say it out loud with me on the count of three? Ready? One, two, three. God desires my life to glorify him and help others. That's the big idea for today. Let's go to our next slide. So too often we convince ourselves that massive success requires massive action. Meanwhile, improving by 1% isn't particularly notable. Sometimes it isn't even noticeable, but it can be far more meaningful, especially in the long run. In other words, this is something that connects very closely to a concept in a book called Good to Great. And I want to just stop for just a second and I want to compliment you guys Those of you who are here today, I know that this means something to you. I know this is right here for y'all because I know you don't get up early on the very first day of of the new year unless this matters. So I feel you. I appreciate you. We are together on this stuff, and I'm not calling you out. As a matter of fact, if you're here today, I have a feeling that your life is probably pretty good and going in a good direction towards what God wants for you to do in your life, okay? So just hear this from that perspective. I promise this is how I feel about you. The truth of the matter is, is that there is a book that's called Good to Great. It examined different companies that were good at one time 
And then they became great companies, companies that were doing pretty good and then had a change or an evolution or a change of personnel or whatever it might be. And then their stock prices were kind of on a normal plane and then just went through the roof. They became good to great companies. And I've shared this with you at least twice in the last, say, four months. It's called the flywheel concept. And here's what they found. They found that these companies weren't doing something that was so crazy and so out of the box, but what they were doing is they got rid of all the extra junk, they figured out the most important thing, and they kept doing it and doing it and doing it better and better each time until momentum gathered in their company and it changed their results dramatically, not because of a dramatic change, but because of a change to do the right things consistently over and over and over again. You guys with me? You all understand? And so as we look at this idea, as we look at the atomic habits idea, here's what I want to challenge you with this year. If you're like me, your tendency is to say, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this and this. So I've got five different things. How often should I do them? I probably ought to do them at least once every other day. So now suddenly, my schedule, which I already felt like I didn't have enough time, now has another, let's see, 15 things to do that I wasn't doing before, and suddenly my schedule looks a whole lot more cramped and a whole lot more impossible to get done and get through. Can you guys identify with this? This is the problem for most of us. And so what I want to encourage you to do is to not make huge changes, but to make some very meaningful and small ones and then make them consistently. Changing just a little bit each week Each month, each quarter, eventually each year, you can be a much, much better person. You can be a much, much better father. You can be a much, much better mother. You can be a better Christian. You can be a better employee. And on and on and on the list goes, not by making massive changes, but by making small ones and then maintaining those changes. We're going to talk about how we plan how we act, and then how we build on these things over the next four or five weeks. And I want to just tell you, this is not four or five weeks of pure motivation coming your direction. Like, I'm not trying to be a motivational speaker. What I'm trying to share with you is you and I, I just mentioned it, we're physical people, we're emotional people, we're spiritual people, we're relational people, we're professional people, we're in, you know, spiritual people and in a relationship with God. And all of these are areas and parts of our life that all, if I were guessing, all probably need just a little bit of a tweak and just a little opportunity to get just a little bit more of what God would have us to be. If that is true, at least in one area of your life, can I get an amen? Amen? All right, very good. Okay, so real quickly, Catch the context, and I want to share with you from this passage of Scripture from Luke. Let's go a little deeper in what Eric read. So very quickly, we got to catch the context of Luke chapter 14, verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and then turning to them, he said. So stop for just a moment. Over in the book of John, Jesus feeds the 5,000, and as he does so, the Bible tells us a very, very interesting concept. 
it says that Jesus, knowing that the crowds wanted to come and make him a king by force, withdrew from them and went to a hidden place to pray and spend time with God. I don't know if you guys are remembering that now that I'm mentioning that. Maybe you've read it, but you can go back and look at it. I wish I had remembered the exact specific um, uh, you know, particular scripture reference, but I have a belief that it is maybe in chapter six and kind of towards the end of the chapter. But here is what is so interesting to me. What is Jesus doing? He's realizing that there are people who are motivated in the moment but later will not be. He realizes they are overwhelmed by the emotion, but later will not have that same emotion. And so oftentimes what he did is he challenged them. He pulled aside all the emotion and said, I know you're emoted right now. I know you're all in right now, but what will you do when the emotion goes away? What will you do when motivation that was at one time high is now suddenly low? What will you do when instead of getting your belly full and all your needs met by a word or by an action from me, what will you do when it gets hard to follow me and it means problems at home, problems in your business? What will you do? He's calling them out and asking them from the very beginning, don't be one of the sheep that's just following because everybody else is, step across the line and let me know that you're a real one. Let me know that you're a real follower of Christ, that you really want to see this all the way through to the end. And so right here in the context of Luke chapter 14 is the same kind of thing. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, probably following him to check out the miracles like things they had never seen before. And he turns and he says to them, if anyone comes to me, and doesn't hate their father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even their own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, all right, stop for just a second. Whenever you hear the word cross, do you think of Jesus in at least the first thought or two that comes through your mind? You do, right? You know what they thought? They thought electric chair. <laughs> That, that was an implement of death, not an implement of praise and excitement, the way that we feel it today. He took that implement of death and made it something totally different. But what he's saying here is, you've got to be willing to die in every way and every area to your relationships and all of these other things. And let's be very clear, he's not saying that you actually need to hate people. What he's saying here is, you need to have such a love for me that it so far outpaces and outstrips those things that you consider the dearest to you, that you'd be willing to walk away from those things if only you have the relationship with God and God alone. And for most of us, we are still striving to get anywhere close to that kind of commitment. It's a hard thing. But Jesus, with these people who are the hangers-on, the paparazzi, trying to see what's going on in his world, he says to them, you don't even understand. If you don't do these things, if you're not even willing to embrace death to self, then don't bother coming after me because it's important that you know this is not a hobby. This is not an add-on. This is not an accessory that you have. This is your life 
from this point forward? Are you still willing to follow me? The Bible tells us that at that time, many ceased to follow him and went away. And Jesus was not happy about it. He was heartbroken and he turned to his own disciples and he said, are you going to go away too? And Peter speaks up and he says in a spokesman role for all the disciples, he says, Lord, where are we going to go? You alone have the words of life. You're the only one who's got the answers. You're the only one who's been sent to us to change us. I just want to say, as we begin this year, and if last year, or even the year before, or the years before, have felt incredibly empty, I would bet, I would venture a guess that you have not let him be the whole and the totality. He's been an accessory. He's been there as a life preserver when you were in trouble, but he's not been the source where you said, Jesus, it does not matter where you go, I will follow you, even if my prayers don't get answered, even if things are hard, even if you're asking for more than I can see that I'm getting in return. I will follow you because where else am I going to go? You alone have the words of life. And I'm here to tell you, man, I've, I've pursued other things and he alone is the one who brings life. And you probably have pursued other things and you might have even attained them and then you realize he alone is the one who can bring life to a dead and dying soul. And man, that is great news, but it is never easy. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. It is never easy to follow him, but it is life for you. Very quickly, I want to just share this with you. This is the one to remember that I, I put this out there sometimes in these different uh, teaching series. One scripture that you can remember and hold on to and memorize. So if you're a person who wants to memorize scripture, this is one that you can memorize and it will be applying over the next four or five weeks. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. In other words, we are new creations whenever God gives us new life. Let's go to our next slide. And we see here in this next slide, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. You kind of see this big idea that God desires my life to glorify him and help others. This is exactly what he's saying here in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do what? What are the next two words? Good works. We are created to do good works. In other words, we're here to glorify him and we're here to help others to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to, what's the last word? For most of us, Christianity is more about what we know than what we do. So for us, for you, for me, the challenge is not to plan. It is to act and build on that action. Because for most of us, what we do is if we ever even get past the planning stage, we're in the action stage, we do it once or twice and realize that sometimes the motivation is gone, 
but the action is still needed to be done. And so we stop doing it and we never get to the building of a great life. But you have been created for doing good works. You know how I know? Right there. That's you and that's me. We, you and me. I don't know about you. I want to be called God's handiwork. That's what I want to be. I want to be called God's creation. I want to be that new creation. Well, what was I newly created to do? To do good works, to glorify God and to help others? Not to just simply go, this is awesome. This is so great. What a great blessing shower I'm in the middle of. This is fantastic. I'm just going to stay here forever. No, no, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him and it's about others. And when we shift it, all right, when we shift it, it gets even better. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like it literally gets better. So when you want to stop because it doesn't feel like it's good anymore, when you begin to build on it and keep taking those actions, it wraps all the way around and it gets even deeper and more rewarding and more powerful and more multiplied. This is how a life gets changed, how a character gets built and how a legacy gets left. You and I planning what is right, taking action on doing those things that we should and then building on it continually until it keeps on making an impact and keeps on making a difference. All right, I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep moving. All right, very quickly, Jesus said something. He talked about this, and we saw it kind of at the end of this slide. You see it. It's the end of what Eric read from 1435. It says, it's neither fit those things that, you know, were at one time good. It neither is fit for the soil nor for the manure pile it's thrown out. He says, how can salt that loses its saltiness be made good again? It's fit for nothing. And then he says these words in the quote. Can you guys read out loud with me? Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And then you see in Luke chapter 8, verse 8, he talks about the seed that fell on good soil. It came up, it yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And this he said, he called out, whoever has ears, what? Let them hear. Now stop for just a second. I don't know about you. But if it's my crops that I just planted and you tell me you go sow the seed and there's a hundredfold reward and a hundredfold return for you, I'm ready to go sow some seed. Can I get an amen, right? So what is he saying? He's saying there's life out there that will pay you in a different way. It will reward you for more than you've given. My dad started saying some things maybe about a decade and a half ago that I did not understand. A decade and a half ago, my oldest daughter was about 12 years old. My middle was about 11. My other was about, let's see, seven. Okay? So Tori, Taryn, Tatum... Taryn is the favorite because she's giving us a grandchild in March, okay? So just so y'all know. The rest of them already know this. I'm like, hey, I'm sorry. I want to be better. Y'all pray for me. Okay, so anyway. These were my kids, 12, 11, 7. My dad started saying stuff. And we would do what you do 
when you realize that your parents are getting older. You know, my dad at that time was probably, oh gosh, coming up on 70 years old. Now he's getting close to 83 years old. In April, he'll be 83 on Easter Sunday. So he started saying something that I had never heard him say before. And he said to us over and over again, we'd start getting together and we'd praise him and say, Dad, you and Mom, y'all were such a blessing to us. Y'all did such a good job of showing us the way and helping us in the way and, you know, making it possible for us to walk in that way. My dad said, you kids make us look better than we were. And uh, I think my dad is the best father I've ever seen, you know, which is an incredible thing to say. But he's saying, I think you guys are paying us back more than we deserved. You are better than we can take credit for. And this started happening 15 years ago, and at first I was just like resisting it. No, 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 no. Hold on. That's not right. That's not right. You were a great father. You were a great mother. Great people. Great upbringing. Thank you. Kind of thing. And now my kids are older. And as they have kept getting older, guess what I've started saying to them? You kids are better than we deserved. And you kids have God's fingerprints in your life. Not our fingerprints, but God's. And where I screwed up, and I promise I did a lot. You have God's fingerprints. And the healing touch of God on your life that far outstrips anything I could have put there. You're better kids than we were parents. You're better kids than we deserve. That's God paying back the fruit that we sowed, but multiplying it coming back. You guys hear what I'm saying? How does that work? You plan, you take action, and you keep building. And then watch how the, the principle of the fact that you cannot outgive God comes back. And it pays you back. I'm here to tell you, I would do it all again and do it better if I could. But even where I failed, God was faithful. I'm here to tell you, you will never regret planning to do things in the right areas and taking action rather than just simply planning and then building on that momentum. And I am going to try my very best to be as much like Jesus as I possibly can in this moment right now. He who has ears, let him hear. Because some of you got kids that you can still influence their life. My time has changed dramatically. My youngest is in her early 20s living in another state. My middle daughter, that's the favorite with the grandkid coming. She lives in another state. And my oldest... She lives in Michigan, for goodness sakes. She's all the way across the country. So my time on a daily basis is done. Gone and finished. Yours might not be. So if you have ears, hear the warning.
hear what is being said. So very quickly, what am I saying when I say that? Let's go to this next slide. (laughs) He who has ears, let him hear. You can see the different results from BibleGateway.com. 14 times in the New Testament, he says this. And interestingly, Matthew has three, Mark has one, Luke has two, and Revelation has how many? Eight. So the closer and closer that we get, and another turning of the year reminds us that we are one step closer to the end of our lives, and maybe even the end of this world as we know it. I don't know when Christ comes back. But whenever that time is, as it got closer and closer and closer, and the revelation was given, he was warning them over and over, this is what you can expect, this is what you can expect, this is what you need to avoid. And he who has ears, what? Let him hear. I'm here to tell you, if you've got ears, hear what Christ is saying to you and take action while there is still time. This is the slide that I want to share with you very quickly. There's something to learn. Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear approximately six times in the New Testament, synoptic gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then eight more times in Revelation. It's his way of telling his audience, now the ball is in your court. Or if you will allow me, you will show what you believe by how you respond or act or don't act upon what I have just said. That's his way of saying, I can't do this for you. I can share with you, but you and I have to be the ones who actually plan, act, and build. Here's an I apply by very quickly. Let's go to the I apply by. Plan a good starting place in your life. Take one small action and then build on the one action by doing it again. That's it. I would say these three things over the next few weeks, we'll talk more and more about them. But if you feel motivated and if the Lord is speaking to you and you are motivated by a new year and a fresh start, I encourage you this week, find one area of your life that needs your attention. Take one small action in that area and then build on the action by doing it again. And watch how God multiplies those small actions to make big differences in your life. Let's check out this video. The new year is often a time of reflection. A chance to look back on the past 365 days and remember. Sometimes the memories bring a smile and other times they break our hearts. Chances are you've experienced a bit of both this past year. The new year is also a time to look ahead to imagine what could be, to scan the horizon with expectation and seek God's guiding hand. It's a time to strive for better, to live louder, love stronger, and be more of who God has created us to be. It's an opportunity for new beginnings, a chance to start fresh, to pursue God with a renewed passion and to press on with all our hearts. The truth is, God has been faithful this past year, and that faithfulness promises to carry us through the next. As the new year begins, may we remember this one simple truth. In Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come.